glad to be in the house of the Lord today. No other place that I desire to be than to be in his house and to know that his presence is here. Amen. And also to be with my brothers and sisters in the Lord. If there's ever been a time and a day and hour that we need to come together, it is now. Amen. It's always been, but even more importantly now. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Seeking the Lord this week, I felt this passage of Scripture that the Holy Spirit greatly impressed upon my heart and my spirit in prayer. Uh, It's not always, again, messages that we want to hear, but nevertheless, it is the Word of Almighty God. And His Word, as the Bible said, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We all know that we are living, and if you serve the Lord, you know, and if you don't serve the Lord, you know that there is a great difference and a great shift that has happened uh, in the world, and it's not just been this past week, but it's been for quite some time, but as believers, as Christians, as servants of the Most High God, we know because of the spirit that lives within inside of us that this thing is just about over, amen, that soon and very soon that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is on his way back, amen, And to the child of God, that brings rejoicing, and that puts a smile on my face, amen. Because even though, and thank be to God, we have abundant life even here while walking through this wicked world, still our blessed hope as Christians is not in a political party, it's not in government, it's not in a man, but it is in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. That should be your heart's desire, and and I find myself praying as as John did, Lord, come quickly, amen. Lord, come. Uh, because I'm ready to get out of here, but at the same time, we know that there is an appointed time in which he's going to come. And again, we, I've said it before that we can become so kingdom-minded that we are no earthly good. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to happen to the body of Christ. He wants to get the body of Christ down. He wants to oppress the body of Christ to prevent us and to stop us from fulfilling the great commission that God has mandated to each and every one of his disciples. Amen. And that is to go out and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not just the commission for the one standing behind the pulpit. But if you are a believer, if you are a disciple, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it is your privilege as well as duty to go and to tell. Amen. And that's what we've got to do now more than ever before. But living in these last days, uh, many may have and have always probably wondered what it would be like before Jesus can return. And I can tell you exactly what it's going to be like right here in the word of Almighty God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible says this, Paul here writing to young Timothy, this know also, meaning I want you to know this, it's imperative that you know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, 
traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, meaning they have an appearance of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into the houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. I want to preach to you a message this morning, again, that we have read, we possibly have heard, I'm sure if you've been in church any number of times. But this of which many of our fathers and mothers in the faith that used to preach about 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years ago, of the times that we are now living in, they told about them. Well, I'm here to tell you they're here. Paul told Timothy in the very first verse that perilous times shall come. I'm here to tell you today that perilous times are here. Perilous times are here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today in the name of your son Jesus. Lord, we thank you for again the opportunity to be in your house, Lord. Father, there is nothing more, Lord, that is greater than to have your presence for which we know is here with us. Your word tells us that where any two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of the also. Lord, we know that you're here today. We have sensed you. We have felt you. Lord, you have already touched our hearts. But Lord, now we're here for the most important part of the service, Lord, and that is the proclaiming, the proclamation of your word. Your word that does not lie. Your word that is the only revealed truth. Father, your word that counsels, that comforts, and that convicts. And Father, we're asking, Lord, that you would anoint us, Lord, like we've never been anointed before, to preach and to proclaim this gospel, Lord, your word, like never before. Father, I'm asking, Lord, that as we hide behind your cross, that you would shine forth, that the true preacher, the true teacher would come and anoint our mouths, Lord, giving us the words to speak to these people. And Lord, I ask that you would anoint every heart that is sitting here, Lord, every ear that is up underneath the sound of my voice, whether in the sanctuary or those that are watching by the way of internet, Lord, touch them right now. Give them ears to hear, Lord, what your spirit is saying. And Father, we ask it all in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. In this epistle, the second Timothy of which Paul wrote, you are reading the last letter that he would ever write. Uh, we believe and we know for assurance that Paul wrote 13 of the New Testament's epistles, but many scholars, and I personally do as well, believe that he wrote the book of Hebrews. And if that is the case, then he would write over half of the entirety of the New Testament, 14 epistles. And understand today that his epistles that were written were always an address to the church. And I think sometimes that we forget that. I think sometimes when we read the epistles of the Apostle Paul, he's not talking to the world, he's talking to you and I. 
The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are for all of us. Amen. For whosoever will come. But the epistles that Paul wrote were the meaning of the new covenant and all that would take place was given to him to give to those that are now in Christ. And we have to understand that. When he says, put off the old man and put on the new, he's not talking to the old person, the unsaved. He's talking to you and I. Amen. And so he's writing this letter to, to young Timothy, who was young, his young son, if you will, in the Lord, who had accompanied him. Timothy had been by Paul's side on missionary trips and had served up underneath him for almost 10 years. And he was raised up in the faith. And everything that Paul taught, every word that Paul preached, he poured into Timothy as if it was his own son. And when it came time for Paul to die, if you will, the mantle was handed over to young Timothy to now take up the reins and to now pastor this great church in Ephesus. This letter, this epistle that Paul would write, he wrote it from a prison. And understand the prisons of that day and hour were not like the prisons that we see, that we have even here in this country. The prisons that we have here in this country would make those prisons look like the Holiday Inn. The prisons of that day and hour were riddled with rats and snakes and, and, and feces and, and excretions from man, and it was just most vile. And to think that this man of God, who had been changed and transformed quite possibly like no other man that you will read about on the road to Damascus, who God gave the meaning of the new covenant, was treated in this kind of way. Now think about that. A man that loved God, a man that God gave him over half the New Testament, and here at the close of his life, and don't under, misunderstand me, this man suffered persecutions, he suffered afflictions. If you read on in the chapter, you will find everywhere that the Spirit of God sent him. Everywhere he went, he faced trouble. That blows the mind of many people. How is it that I can face trouble? God, I'm following you. Jesus, I'm serving you. I'm doing the work that you called me to do. And yet you have allowed all of this to happen. But none despite all of that, Paul still said rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He went on to tell us that with every affliction, God delivered him out of them all. And I want to tell you today, child of God, he will deliver you out of every affliction. Amen. He wrote this letter in a prison beneath the prison. There was the prison and then there was a trap door and Paul would be placed down there all by himself and they would, riddle, they would lower the food down to him. And it was in this dark dungeon that Paul would write the last letter that he would ever write knowing that he was just days, if not hours away, from being executed. Hours away from a brute Roman soldier who would throw the rope down, lift him up, this man of God, only to lead him away and to cut his head off with the sword. That's what happened to him. And I love the words that the Apostle Paul wrote as the nearing of his life, but I have kept the faith. Let me tell you today, that's all that's going to matter when it comes time to lead this life. Have you kept the faith? Are you in Christ Jesus? I don't care what happened 20 years ago. It doesn't matter what experiences and encounters that you've had five years ago with the Lord. What was going to matter is when it comes time to draw your last breath, and none of us know when that is, are you in 
Christ. That's all that's going to matter. The jobs don't matter. The homes don't matter. The accolades don't matter. None of man's praises and their opinions of you matter. The only thing that matters when you come to lead this life, are you in Christ? The last words of what a man says or writes carries a great significance and weight. If you've ever been beside someone that left out of this life, you cling to those last words that they said. I have had the great opportunity to be with a couple of my family members as I watched them go home to be with Jesus. And the last words that they said to me continually repeat in my heart and in my mind. I cling to those because they carry such a great importance and a significant weight because it's the last words that they said here upon this life. And in this text, you are literally reading some of the last words that Paul would say. And, and again, they carry a great weight. And just as Jesus, who hung on the cross, and, and he cried out, It is finished. Aren't you thankful that it's finished today? Knowing that there's nothing else that I have to do but simply trust in Him and rest in the finished Word. Before ascending up into heaven in Acts chapter 1, He would tell His disciples in that glorified state, tarry ye here until you're endued with power from on high to go and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit moved through Paul to address the church. Understand, it was the church. One more time before dying. And here were some of his words. God's message to the church of Jesus Christ of the last days is that perilous times shall come. This is God's message who the Holy Spirit moved upon Paul over 1,900 years ago, who Paul would see foretime of what the day and hour would be like before the return of Jesus Christ. What you have read right here is existing right now before our very eyes. This has not just happened because of the events this past week, but we have been in perilous times for quite some time. But the problem has been that the church has been greatly asleep. And the Lord has allowed the events of 2020 that impacted and affected every single one of us for the sole purpose of speaking of the church to wake us up. But I'm finding that the storm that was allowed to come, instead of waking us up, we kept sleeping right on through it. I've said it before and I'll say it again. 9-11 happened. And when the events of 9-11 took place, Everybody ran to the church. Everybody ran to prayer meetings. You didn't have to beg them to come. You didn't have to get on Facebook and put out certain sayings. You didn't have to put pictures. You didn't have to try to coerce and convince. You didn't have to. People ran to the house of God. They ran to Jesus. They ran to prayer meetings. They fell on their face and said, Lord, we need you. But just as Israel of old and just as it's always been after a period of time, little by little, we left the Lord. But what I find strange, and I was telling Connie the other day, that what happened this year, it did the opposite. Instead of running to God, the church ran from the Lord. We still did not turn to the Lord. We didn't. We vacated the churches. We thought that was the only place, believing the lies, and I'm going to say it, of the media, that it's the only place where you can catch COVID. 
Can't catch it anywhere else. The number one place is the house of God. And the church is too blind and too asleep to see that they were playing right into the trap of the enemy. Which is to dispel us, which is not us to come together because there's power when God's saints come together. He said one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand to flight. And hell itself doesn't want this. Hell trembles when the preaching of God's word goes forth because it's his word with underneath the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks the yoke of bondage. And hell don't want it to happen. Hell doesn't want it to happen because unlike the church, I'm afraid, Satan knows that his number is just about up. And he's doing all that he can to try to get people to depart from the faith, trying to hold his clenches on to them because he knows if he can and he can keep them out of underneath the preaching of God's word, he's got them right where he wants them. You see, this message, this last message to the church wasn't a message of prosperity. You hear it on TV. Send me $1,000 and your bills are all gone. I heard some false prophet the other day and it makes me angry and we should have a righteous indignation. The year of 2021 is your blessing. The year of 2021, God told me to tell you, send X amount of money and your bills are all gone. Going on right now. And people flock to this stuff. People run to this stuff. That's not the message for the church in the last days. God's message to his people, perilous times are coming. Hard times are coming. This message wasn't you're going to be rich. This message wasn't that things are going to be easy or become easier, but that the times and his return would be evil, would be hard, and would be difficult. Well, I don't like to hear that. Well, I'm sorry that you don't like the word of God. This is the word of God. But in Christ Jesus, there is no fear. Because even though perilous times are here now, even though there are hard times right now, there's no fear, there's no worry, and there's no anxiety. Because he's not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Even though the times are evil, even though they're difficult and will get more difficult, hear me today. You think they're hard now and I'm not trying to scare you. I'm being honest with you. They will get worse and worse and worse. And I am finding that if there are cracks in your foundation, when the wind blows, it will find you out. Because anything that is not found on Christ Jesus will not make it. And that's exactly what we have been seeing. A shaking and a sifting and a separating of the wheat from the tare. Because so many were just trying to associate with Jesus. Was trying to hit in a church on Sunday morning or when we can get there. And we think that that's what's going to carry us through. And it will not work. I cannot... Listen, I cannot impress this enough. You've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
You cannot just ride the coattails of a family member and think you'll be all right. You can't just say, I'm going to church and everything's going to be right. It is a relationship that has got to be had between you and the Father. And Jesus came along in John 14 and said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man can come into the Father but by me. Don't believe the lies of these people, these pastors, these fake false pastors that want to pray to Brahma. There is only one God and his name is Jehovah. When you say a man, we don't say a woman. It is absolutely ludicrous what is being said and the fact that he would even identify himself as a pastor. Well, you're judging. No, I'm calling it like I see it. The Bible says you'll know the tree by the fruit it bears. It's evil fruit and it's an evil tree. I will not back down from that whatsoever. That is the problem we've got right now. We've got too many sissies, and I hate to say it, that are standing up behind the pulpit that will not proclaim the word of Almighty God. Well, that's not politically correct. I don't care what's politically correct. Jesus wasn't politically correct. He was cut and dry. You either loved him or you hate him. You either liked him or you didn't like him. Well, I don't like what you're preaching. It's in the word of Almighty God. I assure you today that they are here. And the truth is that they have been here for some quite some time and they are increasingly growing worse up into the present hour. A lot of people think that this is a gloom and doom message, but the, it is the truth and the truth must be proclaimed. It is a wake-up message not unto the world. It is a wake-up message unto the church. Because the church has been asleep, the church has been lullabied by the enemy, wake up, perilous times are here. And we've got to make sure that we are getting ourselves prepared and ready for his appearing. Because the church, I'm afraid, is not ready. The church is not ready. we got a lot of people running around with lamps with no oil in their lamps. They're not ready. Should he return, they're going to miss it. And, be, and they're going to be shocked that they missed it because they thought what they were doing was right. It's not about doing. It's about being in Christ. And about letting him not just be Savior, but also Lord of your life. You see, if we understand the times in which we're living in, there would be an urgency within our hearts as Christians to not only fulfill the Great Commission, but we would be getting our own house in order. Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And the problem that we find here in today is that people has went from the extreme of years ago of legalism all the way over to the opposite end to where you can just sin and and it's no big deal. God forgives. Let's kumbaya and move right on. There is still a standard of righteousness and holiness that God demands from his children. He did not pour his grace into your heart and life so that you can continue to keep on sinning. He has given you his grace so that now you can live a life from the domination of sin. And what's so sad about it is that the very foundation. The very core values of our country alone have now almost been blown out the window. Think about it. 
I was shocked. I am shocked. I am appalled at the events that have transpired over the last 20 years and especially over the last 8 years. And to think I would have never thought that I would have seen this time. But those that have went on to be with the Lord prophesied that this day in which we are living it would come. And I wonder why they were looking to the word of God. It's all right here. It's all right here within these pages of what it would be like. There's no reason why we shouldn't be aware of his return. We should not be sitting back wondering, Jesus is on his way back. I've heard that all my life. That's right. And you're going to keep hearing it. You may never listen to me again, but I'm going to tell you, Jesus is on his way back. And it is sooner now than ever before. And we are playing games. We are sitting around, tiddling, towing around. We're not fulfilling what God has told us to do. We're playing and coming close to the line of sin, seeing how far can we come without actually doing it. My God, abstain even from the appearances of evil. We are supposed to be the light of the world. But what is so sad, and especially what I have found in the last couple weeks, is that Christians, who's supposed to be leading the way, the church was always supposed to be leading the way for the country, is acting just like the world. We're backbiting. We're devouring one another. We're calling each other's names. I'm talking about Christians. And then we want to know why they don't come in. We want to know why they don't come into the church. We want to know why they don't want to serve this Jesus. Listen, we are supposed to be a representative and we are an ambassador, Paul said, of Jesus Christ. We need to start acting like him and representing who he is. Because what I'm seeing in the church, and I don't mean this building, I'm talking about the body of Christ, is not exemplifying of who we serve. You see, it's incumbent upon us to preach the entirety of the gospel of Jesus Christ from Genesis to Revelation, every single word. We cannot preach a watered-down gospel. It is vital to the hearers of this word that we proclaim the truth and that we not deviate away from it whatsoever. If you're looking for truth, and guess what? There are people that are still hungry for truth. You're in the right place. Are this the only place that's preaching truth? No. But I can tell you today that it is far and few in between. Well, there's churches on every corner. Just because it has a steeple on the building doesn't mean that it is proclaiming God's word. You better get in there and listen to what are they preaching. What are they pointing you out to? And we can't pick and choose what scriptures we want. Listen, if we're going to live by, we've got to live by the entirety of the word of God. We don't like, we, that's the problem with the church. We pick out certain scriptures. I like that because it fits me. I like that. And then the things that we don't like, we want to push it over to the side. Listen, the word don't conform to you. You're supposed to be conforming to the word. We're supposed to be changing our lives or rather allowing him to change us around this word. Amen. You see, the word is Jesus Christ and him crucified. There's never been another message and there'll never be another message. So what am I saying? I still believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. I know that it's not popular. I know that there are churches, they never mention the cross. They never mention the blood. They don't mention the remission of sins. But can I tell you today, I still believe in the blood of Jesus I still believe it saves. I still believe it heals. I still believe that it fills. I still believe in divine healing. I still believe in miracles. I still believe in holiness. I still believe in righteousness. And I still believe that one day soon, the trump of God is going to sound and Jesus Christ is going to descend and we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with Him. Only after the dead in Christ rises first. Amen.
And one day soon, I still believe that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I know they don't want to bow down right now. I know they want to throw out other names. But can I tell you, whether they bow now or later, they will bow down and confess Him as King of kings and as Lord of lords. You see, Paul would tell Timothy that in the last days, meaning right before his return, perilous times will come. And in this passage of Scripture, there are 22 signs that would be demonstrated. They would be taking place right before his return for the purpose that we might be ready and that we be prepared for his return. And I can tell you that the prerequisite, the only requirement to be prepared is to be in Christ. I didn't say be in church. I said be in Christ. I didn't say being associated with Christ, be in Christ. That's the requirement. You see, the word perilous means dangerous, evil, harsh, fierce. These times are upon us now as the true body of Christ. The morals that have once been stood for have been and will continue to be greatly challenged. Hear me today. The morals that we once stood for, that we should still be standing for, will continue to be greatly challenged. The freedoms that we have greatly enjoyed will be challenged. And in fact, I want to say this. Whenever they are allowed to censor the President of the United States, listen, what is them to stop us for them from stopping you and I? Listen, I don't care if you don't like him. It ain't about personality. They censor the president of the United States. And if they can get by with that, don't think for a moment that they won't come in and shut down us when it comes to proclaiming the truth. Don't think that the days are going to be allowed to where we can still maintain social media. I believe with all of my heart that this is just the starting point. And that's why it should enrage you that they did this. Because when they are allowed to do that, they're coming after you and me next. They're going to shut down these social medias. They're going to shut down everything that is preaching the truth because they don't want God's word going out. Why? Because it convicts and it will quite possibly cause people to think about where they're going to spend eternity. The days are upon us. It's not years. It's not months. I'm telling you now, it is weeks away. They have already told you what they're going to do in this administration. And that don't mean we should not pray for them. Hello, I know we don't like policies, but the word of God says you are to pray for those in government. You are to pray for them. Paul would tell Timothy to pray for Nero, who was one of the most word, uh, just awful people. If you study out his life at that day and time as to what he was doing. We are to pray. We are to ask the Lord to open their eyes. But nevertheless, they have told you what they are going to do. They've already said we're coming. And in fact, what four years ago could not happen, will now they will push to get done. You Christians are going to have to change the way you think. Let me tell you something. For God I'll live and for God I'll die. I'm not changing. I'm not deviating away from the Word of God. I don't care what the times are. I don't care what people are preaching. I'm holding true to the Word of Almighty God because it has saved me. It is keeping me. And one day, praise God, it'll take me all the way home. <clears throat> you see, they don't want... This word to be preached. They don't want sin to be addressed. They don't want salvation to be preached because it's offensive 
to the hearer. Newsflash, the gospel of Jesus Christ will always offend you before it will set you free. And in fact, after you're saved, it will continue to offend you. It will continue because it shows you in areas of your life where you're not lining up. That don't mean you're not saved, but it means that, hey, there's some things about you and I that still needs to be changed. Amen? I know times have changed, but he's not changed. Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord thy God, I change not. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't care what the times are. I don't care what popular opinion is. I don't care what the school's may be doing it does not matter God's word does not change if it was sin then it is still sin now we've got people running around thinking it's okay to live together and not be married we've got people thinking fornication's all right adultery all of these things that are right it's sin and we don't have people calling it out. We want to pick on homosexuality. We want to pick on abortions. And it is absolutely wrong. But what about the backbiting? What about the gossip? What about the fornication? The things that are going inside of the church that nobody wants to touch. That don't make me feel good. Don't dare talk about sin. That's the desires of most people now in the church today. Not just the world. But those that are trying to be a part of the church, in fact, the Bible says that they are an apostate church, which is what he is addressing here. You see, the most striking thing about these signs that are given is that they exemplify in the last days before the return of Christ is that this will be prevalent in the church. We read these, <clears throat> and we think it's talking about the world. He's not talking about the world. He's saying this would be going on in the church. You want to know how I know? Verse 5 validates that having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. These signs are people who call themselves Christians. People who claim the name of Jesus that are lovers of them own selves. We live in a generation where it's all about me. Where they are covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. This is not talking about the world. He's talking about the church. Paul was talking about what the condition of the church would be and they would come underneath the guise of Christianity. They have an appearance. They wear their suits and ties. They put on their nice clothes. They say we are of faith. They claim they know God, but they deny the power thereof. They are denying the power, which is the Holy Spirit, who will not allow a true born-again believer to live a life like this. He still saves from sin, and he don't keep you in sin. There is still a standard of godliness and of righteousness. It is those that say they're saved, but yet he's telling us they're, they're not saved. And the reason why they think they are is because they're deceived. Who come, where it comes from is the master of all deception and that is Satan himself. He literally thinks Satan, if you read the book of Revelation, that one day he is going to be able to tear down God. He is going to be able to stop him. He is a deceiver. He, he can deceive because he is deceived. And he's got people deceived right now thinking that they are saved when they're not even truly saved. Well, you're judging. I'm not judging. The Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. 
And we got a lot of people over TV now more than ever before, especially in government, that claim they know the Lord and yet they exemplify every bit of this. They're not saved. They're not part of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them who perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved it is the power of God. You see, when the gospel of Jesus Christ got a hold of me, it completely changed me from the inside out. <clears throat> you can't evolve into Christianity. You can't grow into Christianity. <clears throat> Being a Christian is an instantaneous thing. When you call upon the name of the Lord, the power of God falls. You are instantly washed and you are now a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now that we are saved, we are supposed to be growing in grace and in knowledge. And how we grow in the Lord is through the person of the Holy Spirit. You can't better yourself. You can't take things away from yourself and make yourself a better person. You've got to be in Christ and allow the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit, to change you. That's the changing agent. Everybody now, be a change agent. Be this. You can change yourself. You can't change yourself. You can't save yourself, and you sure can't clean yourself up as well. You see, there are those who claim and will continue to claim that they are Christians, but they're not truly born again. They name the name of Jesus, but deep within, they're lovers of pleasures more than they are lovers of God. They love themselves, and that's the message of the hour. Embrace yourself. Jesus said, deny yourself. Be who you want to be. Be the best you can be. Don't let anybody tell you that your life is wrong. It's contrary to the word of Almighty God. You see, there's a lot of activity going on, but there's no power. We've got programs and agendas, but we've got no power. We have people in church who are preaching and singing, but have no power. The problem in the church is that we have confused power with emotions. We see people jumping up and down. We see people doing this. We see even people weeping. We see people shouting. And we think that's the Holy Spirit. And we have truly confused the power with emotions. Because when the power gets a hold of you, it's going to change you. The power of Almighty God changes you, changes you on every day. And at times, don't get me wrong, there are the reason why they do this is because they're trying to imitate the real thing. Because where Satan's got a counterfeit, he's trying to counterfeit the real thing. Listen, the shouting is biblical. Dancing before the Lord is biblical. Weeping before the Lord is biblical. You should be. But all of these things do not represent that one is saved. What represents is by being in Christ, and then there will be fruit that manifests that they are of the Lord. You see, it's more than a shout of power. He's so much more than a goosebump. But he is power that will change you. He will teach you how to walk. He will teach you how to talk. He'll teach you how to live right and to even abstain from sin. Christians appearing to be Christian. They're not Christians. We have a senator that just got voted in. He loves the claims that I went from preacher to politics. 
and claims to be a Christian, a born-again believer, a pastor, but yet believes that homosexuality is right, believes that people should live as whatever gender that they desire to be. He believes that women ought to have a right to choose whether or not to carry their unborn child uh, full term and legalize abortion. He says that legalized abortion is, quote, consistent with biblical values and doctrines. Somebody who claims to, he's not a pastor and he's not a Christian. I don't know what Bible he's reading, but that's not in the word of Almighty God. He is still the creator of life and he's the only one that can take life. You see, Jesus himself said to beware of these people, these false Christ, these false prophets that come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. There are many people that will say they are of Christ. They name the name of Jesus, but what they are is nothing more but Satan's ministers that are carrying out not the work of the Lord, but the work of Satan. Well, what is that work? Deceiving the people. If you flip out over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The more deceived they are, that is what they're spewing out. 80% of this nation alone claims Christianity, but yet most are silent. We're no longer offended by the filth and the rot that we see on television. Men portrayed as effeminate that tells them that it's okay to wear women's clothing. We have children's channels, Disney and I will quote them, that advocate that it's okay for little boys and little girls to like those of the same sex. We're more worried about our children being popular and raising them up to be like the stars of Hollywood when we should be raising them up on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why is Taylor Swift an idol of our children? Why is Justin Bieber an idol? Why is these rap stars and these Hollywood stars and these celebrities, why are they idols of our young kids? You better be raising them on the word of Almighty God. 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heat to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned into fables. There are people right now that have come in and out of this church that are running because they don't like what's being preached. I don't like it. Let me go find what tickles my ears. And what they do, and it happens all around, I don't like this, so let me run until they finally find something that appeases their flesh. Listen, we should be feeling comfortable all the time in the house of God. Why are we so comfortable in the house of God? The Holy Spirit is there to challenge you, even you, believer. You need to be changed. He's convicting the sinner that don't know Jesus. He's absolutely drawing them. But we, for far too long, have been comfortable in the church of God. And the, and the church, and the reason why, is because the Spirit of God is not being allowed to move. He's going to challenge you. He's going to show you some things that aren't right in your life and convicting you, hey, you need to get this right. Isaiah 30, 10, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, but rather speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. That's exactly what the children of Israel wanted, and that's exactly the condition of the church today. 
Don't preach to me about sin. Don't preach to me that I have to be saved. Don't preach to me anything that I need to be changed. Don't tell me I need to deny myself, but rather tell me what I want to hear. I would rather offend you to heaven than to love you to hell. You may not like what I say. It may offend you, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough to hold up this word of God. I love him most of all to not, to not do any violence to his word. I pray every day, Lord, as I pastor this church, don't ever let me steer them off on the wrong path. Don't let me have those that are sitting here that you have allowed me and privileged me to look after their soul. Don't let me lead them down the wrong path. And let me tell you, I'm thankful that I've got men of God and women of God who know the word enough that will hold me accountable. They should hold me accountable. The problem with the church is that most never pick up this Bible, so therefore they don't know what's being preached, if it's true or not. The Bible says to try the spirits. You see, the condition of the modern church, they don't desire God's word, but rather for a man to tell them what they want to hear, what they is pleasant to their ear. See, I believe with all of my heart as we near to the coming of the Lord, the apostate church, which is the biggest threat to the true church, will do all they can to try and silence the voice of the true church. Understand today that the cross of Jesus Christ is the dividing line between the apostate church and the true church. They, see, listen, there are many that are underneath the guise of Christianity that want nothing to do with the cross. They want nothing to do with the blood of Jesus. They don't want anything to do with that, but yet they still classify themselves as Christians. The spirit of Cain has now enveloped the church as there is a rejection of God's provision for sin and they rather promote their own ideas and agendas and what's so sad about it is that the church has brought it right on in. John said, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. And we've got churches that are pulling in the ways of the world to try to help man. Psychology humanism none of that stuff won't take away sin and it sure won't deliver you from sin but understand today that they are not just satisfied to merely reject god's way but they feel that they must fully stamp out those who fully accept god's way do you remember what happened to abel Cain's sacrifice was rejected by god but he didn't stop there he wanted to stamp out and he killed abel and that's exactly the spirit that is running right now. They want to stamp out the true preaching of God's word. Right now, up north in Canada, preachers are being locked up for preaching the truth. Over there in the Middle East, people are being locked up, killed if they are even caught joining together. And yet we've got the privilege and the freedom to come in here and do this, and we don't even realize it. And we think that it ain't coming here. Let me tell you, folks, it's here. It's here. They're going to get worse. They're going to get more evil. And unless you have a solid foundation on Christ, I'm here to tell you, you won't make it. I love you enough to tell you that you won't make it. You've got to have a firm relationship with the Lord. 1 Timothy 4.1, now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, the last days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. See, they want to dupe the people. And the greatest threat to America has been the lukewarm church who is more concerned with its comfort and traditions than about being spirit-filled and about it being empowered by Jesus Christ. 
See, a lot of people say, well, then what's your solution to all of this? What's the fix to all of this? 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. This is the answer. You're to preach the word of Almighty God. Well, what if they don't listen? As he told Isaiah, you preach until their eyes are full and until their ears are full. You don't stop until the cities be desolate. It's not up to you. It's not up to me to make one accept. What is up to me and what is up to you is to proclaim this truth. You're not going to be popular when you take a stand for Jesus. Your own families, a lot of times, will turn away from you. In fact, he tells us in chapter 3, Yes, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If the first church suffered persecution, then what makes you and I think we're not going to suffer it? Every one of us that try to live godly, that try to live for the Lord, will suffer persecution. But Jesus said, you're blessed. You're blessed if you have to suffer for my name's sake. I want to be just like Peter. If, he, if that time should happen when they went to take him off to die, the, the historians say that he said, don't crucify me in the same position as Jesus. I ain't worthy, but turn me upside down. Stephen counted it worthy to die for the Lord. You see, so many Christians have placed their eyes on all that is going on and nothing in fear has consumed them. You see, we have no reason to fear. We have no reason to worry because even though man thinks they rule, God overrules. Satan may think he's winning, but he is a liar and deceived because let me remind you what Jesus told Peter, upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Can I tell you today that Jesus is going to have his church? He is going to have his church. There are still a people that loves God with all of their heart. There's still a people that says, Lord, I love you. There's still a people that submit unto him. Let me tell you, be encouraged. You're not the only one. Elijah thought he was the only one. He said, what you crying for? Dry up. I still got 7,000 that has not bowed the knee to Baal. God has always had a remnant, and there is a remnant right now in today's time that has not backed down but there is something else that would happen in the last days it ain't all bad news it's good news acts chapter 2 17 says and it shall come to pass in the last days saith god that i will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams uh, see peter was raised up on the day of pentecost and preached the first inaugural message uh, and these people thought they were drunk with wine he said we ain't drunk with wine you got it all mixed up but this is what was prophesied by the prophet of joel and this is that you see, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like I've never seen before. I'm waiting on an outpouring that will open blinded eyes. I'm waiting on an outpouring that will cause the deaf to see. I'm waiting on an outpouring that will set the drug addict free and the alcoholic free. I'm, I'm waiting for an outpouring that will set the perverted free. I'm also waiting on an outpouring that will make the church start treating one another the right way. That will cause us to start loving one another the right way. See, we want to look at all these demonstrations. Let's start with the heart of man. And let's get that outpouring that will cause us to love our brother and our sister the right way. 
I don't mean that we condone sin, but we are to love people because that is the root of all Christianity. Amen? See, that's what I'm believing for. And with all of my heart, I believe just as Elijah, when he was told, I see the cloud of the size of a man's hand. He got up and ran. He said, because there's an outpouring of the Spirit coming. I still believe that there is an abundance of rain that is on the horizon for the church. It tells us here in his word, in the last days. There's always power with persecution in the book of Acts. See, I'm believing the Lord to give us a boldness like the first church when they threatened them to be quiet and forbade them to speak in the name of Jesus. And I got to thinking this week, and I told Stacy, I said, I'm afraid that we've had it all wrong. We've been praying, Lord, get them out of here. Lord, get them out of here. Lord, stop them. Lord, stop them. When we should have been praying, Lord, give us boldness. Give us boldness to speak your name. That's what you better be praying right now because they're going to come to you just like they did and say, you can't speak in the name of Jesus. And I ain't just talking about the church house. I'm talking about in your schools. I'm talking about on your jobs where they are going to forbid you to speak in the name of Jesus and you are going to have to take a stand and determine are you going to obey man or are you going to obey God? Don't fear what man can do to you Fear the one who can cast your soul into hell is what the Bible tells us. You see, I think, again, we need to have that boldness to speak his word. In Romans 13, 11, and that knowing the time, and now it is high time. Right now it's high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Right now, the appearing of the Lord is nearer than when you first believed. He is on his way back. We've been too asleep. And we need to shout the sound of salvation one more time. But we've got to wake up out of sleep. We are no longer need to be concerned with our own lives, our own agendas, our own self. But recognize the day and hour in which we are living in. As Jordan comes to play and sing something, I want you to turn to your Bibles in Hebrews 10, 22. People may ask, what should we do? What should we do about these times in which we're living? And what should I do? Well, I can tell you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the first thing is to get saved. The line has been drawn in the sand. Which side are you going to get on? Joshua said, choose you today who you're going to serve. Choose you today. We're not promised tomorrow. You're not even promised to get home. The truth is we're all one heartbeat away from slipping into an eternity. I felt that the Lord told me today to tell you all what Peter said. Make your calling and election sure. This ain't the time to be playing risk games. This ain't the time to be saying, well, I think that I might be saved. Listen, if you have to think about it, you need to get your heart right with the Lord. You've got to know that you know that you know that you know. Eternity's a long time. And my heart is broken. 
to think that we are in the last days and to see people just going on about their lives and they're miserable. No joy, no happiness. And there is one today that can offer eternal life. There's one today who said, if you'll drink of this water, you will never thirst again. The more I serve Him, the more I am so thankful. Thank you, God, for opening up my blinded eyes. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul so that now when I peel in my head at night, there is an assurance that if I should die, I know where I'm going. I know in whom I have believed. So that's the first step. Make things right with the Lord. But to us that are saved, Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful who promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We're in hard times. But I want to encourage you, child of God, don't waver. Hold on to Jesus. You've not come this far to drop it now. I know that times are hard. I know that it seems like all the hell is against you. But it's because he wants what you've got, and that's your faith in Christ Jesus. You and I have been given a promise that if we'll serve Him, if we'll keep the faith, He said, I'm coming back for you. He's coming back for me. He's coming back for all of those who are in Christ Jesus, who have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. That's who He's coming back for. And why would we not want to be ready? Why would we not when He has poured out His blood so that whosoever will would come and they could receive eternal life. They could have everlasting life. He's on His way back. And I cannot express it enough to you that the time to be ready is now. Now. Today is the day of salvation. Make sure you know where you are at in the Lord. The message of John the Baptist. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus there appearing. Our Lord and Savior. Who would go to a cross. And shed his blood so that we might be saved. And I can tell you today that the message is still the same, church. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He is soon to appear. 
He is soon to call his bride away. He is soon to appear. What are we waiting for? What are you waiting on to get in? Come in today. Come in today. Come in today as the river of the waters are flowing. Hold fast to your faith, child of God. Hold fast today. Because even though we're in hard times, if we'll hold to His hand, He won't lose us. As you stand to your feet, I want every head bowed and every eye closed. The Spirit of God is in this house. Mm. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God is in this house. I know without a shadow of a doubt He is drawing many of your hearts right now. And you've got a choice to make today. Either respond to the drawing of the Holy Spirit who is drawing you to life, who is drawing you to eternity, who is drawing you to Jesus. You're either going to respond to Him by accepting or rejecting. I beg of you, don't reject the Holy Spirit. I'm asking as he begins to sing, if you need Jesus, I would run to these altars. There is nothing or no one that is worth missing out on eternity. If you need to make things right with the Lord, there is no judgment. You better run to these altars. And I'm asking those that will join with me that as we continue on, that we would cry out unto the Lord to give us boldness, to give us strength, to give us what we need to continue to carry out the work that He has called us to do, Lord. So I'm asking you to respond to the Holy Spirit right now. All over this place, begin to respond to Him. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
It was a prayer meeting a couple years ago. In the other church on a Friday morning, about 6.30 in the morning, And the Lord spoke to us in a tongue and interpretation according to the scripture of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the last part of the message that the Lord spoke was said, I'll bring them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Preach my son and him crucified. You shall see the harvest. And I'm thankful today that this is just the beginning. That three souls come home to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. The Bible says there was more rejoicing in heaven when one person comes home to be with Jesus. Can I tell you today that the angels are rejoicing? My God. The angels are rejoicing. The angels are rejoicing. My God, the angels are rejoicing because you said yes to Jesus. You've made the best decision that you could ever make. Having eternal life with Christ Jesus. The forgiveness of sins. And now one to walk with you. All the rest of the days of your life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. And I feel the Spirit of God telling me that this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. There's more. My God, there's more where that's coming from. What Satan meant for evil, his word said, my God will turn it around for his good. Let me tell you today, church, eyes have not seen nor ears have heard what he's got in store for those who love him. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. He's here. He's here. He's saving. He's still changing lives. If we will just let him. If we'll just let him. Be encouraged today. Keep your faith in Christ and what he has done for you at Calvary's cross. The Bible says the just, those that are now saved, me, you, we live by faith. We live by faith. Even when we don't understand, though we stumble, get back up. Keep going. Don't stop. Because if you don't quit, he won't quit on you. He will never quit on one that won't never quit on him. Amen. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you right now. Lord, we worship you, Lord. We thank you for the work that you have done in this house today. Lord, for the fulfillment of your promises, Lord. For your spirit, Lord, that has, Lord, taken those that were dead in sins, Lord, and now have given them life in Christ Jesus. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help them, Lord, and empower them, Lord, to, to now walk this journey with you. And Father, I pray for all of us, Lord, that you would give us a boldness like we've never had before. 
Lord, a boldness that they called upon you, Lord, in the first church, Lord. And Father, the grounds were shaken that they were on. Lord, that's what I'm expecting. A boldness to come upon us, Lord, to preach your word, Lord, now more than ever before, Lord. Fill us, Lord, with your spirit. Fill us, Lord, with your power. Fill us, Lord, with that which we need, Lord, to accomplish the work, Lord, that you have called us to do, Lord. Fill us, O oh Lord, with your spirit. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. And I thank you for what's to come. Lord, we believe that the best is yet to come. We believe, Lord, that the greatest outpouring of your spirit that we crave and we desire is on its way. Good things, great things are on the way. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. And give the Lord another hand clap of praise. He's worthy, church. Thank each and every one of you for being here today. Are you glad that you came today? Amen. He knows what he's doing. Be encouraged. We love each and every one of you. We're here for you. Call us any day at time. Be back tonight, if at all possible, at 6 p.m. as we're ministering on the fruit of the Spirit. I'm believing the Lord to, to touch us. But come back, be with us when you can. We love you. Be blessed.